Welcome to Press Room on Radio Town. Presented by Garrard's Horse and Hound. Making shopping easier with their online store. The same extensive catalogue, the same keen prices online or over the phone. 1-800-060-896 or visit horseandhound.com.au. Good morning, everyone. Yes, press room for Monday, January 15. I've got the date right this time. Thanks for your company. Ben Dorry's not too far away. Of course, we'll be joined by Mitch Cohen as well with all the news in Sydney. Ben Scattered reports in from Adelaide. And, of course, Colin McNiffitazzi. Have a chat with Chris Anderson during the, the first part of the program. Of course, Chris coming up trumps in the debut for the Colts and Geldings on Saturday. It's a great story. We'll talk more about it when we have a chat with Chris. Always happy to hear what you think. News, views, agree, disagree. You know the drill. You know it well. You can tweet me at Radio Taboz or you can text me at 0499 Punter. The number is 0499 786837. 0499 786837. Podcast goes out each week. We tweet the link out on Radio Tab Oz or go to Spotify and search under Radio Tab. And of course, as you well know, each and every Monday, Press, press Room is brought to you with the compliments of Garrard's Horse and Hound. Well, Queensland Summer Racing Carnival is done and dusted for another year. Magic Millions Day serves as an outstanding grand final. It's accepted internationally as one of the country's most talked about race days. The whole box and dice of the two race days bookending the sales and any number of social events is a winner. It's as simple as that. But can we do better in the lead-up? I think so. The reason to make that observation and some conversation starters this morning is, if my intel is correct, change could be on the horizon, so it's a, it's a legitimate talking point. Racing Queensland CEO Jason Scott seems amenable to change if the facts and figures stack up. And I don't think we're talking drastic change here either. But first things first, can we actually start the carnival on the first Saturday in December so it is actually a summer carnival, culminating in Magic Millions Day? Short or shorter, sharp and punchy. The progression of feature races, whether it's age, class or sex, seems fairly spot on, but there are two examples where placement, I think, can come under scrutiny. The running of the two half-million-dollar debut races on Magic Millions Day has created a deal of conversation. There's a school of thought, and legitimate in my mind, they should be at the start of the summer carnival to give those owners a chance to potentially head to the, the $3 million Magic Millions race in January. The owners have supported Magic Millions with their cash through their purchases. Shouldn't they be given the opportunity to explore both options rather than be tied to one or the other if you're considering running in the debut? Now, I understand these debut races are part of the Magic Millions race day package and there are commercial ties with the Gold Coast and the, the Brisbane clubs, but imagine this. Imagine the debut races starting off on the opening day of the summer carnival in summer at the Sunshine Coast over the fairest 1,000-metre course. The Phil and Reddy and Callaway gal, then the Bruce McLaughlin, then the Magic Millions could follow at fortnightly intervals. The King of the Mountain in Toowoomba on New Year's Day is another which may come under the, the placement spotlight. The concept's admirable in its promotion of all things Queensland, but is it afforded the best opportunity of quality stuck in the summer carnival? Is the Grand Prix effective in the summertime slot? The fields at the time are generally small and the calibre is consistently questioned. Its supporters, though, have bragging rights, with the previous winners such as Gypsy Goddess and Kovalika are always mentioned in their defence, and rightly so. Is the wave attracting a high-class field? Some other listed features lacked zing and zip this year, 
But unfortunately, that's understandable when Sydney horses can race in their own backyard for almost the same prize money. A makeover of sorts is needed. It's odds on it will happen. You're listening to Press Room on Radio Tab. Ben Dorries joins us first up here on Press Room. Ben, good morning. Yeah, good morning, David. Well, let's uh, jump off uh, my opening remarks there. Uh, your thoughts? Uh, am I right in saying that there should be some, at least, discussion or observation about what's happened over the past six to seven weeks? Quite frankly, David, I think you've stolen my thoughts. Didn't I say it on, on this show about a month ago that the summer carnival was way too long and I needed to be shortened that. up? I didn't No, I'm pretty sure <laughs> I said it, old mate. I'm pretty sure I said it. Well, what, what, do, you, what do you think about what I said just then? <laughs> oh, I totally agree. Yeah, look, I mean... The Magic Minions is uh, the centrepiece, the showpiece of the Summer Carnival. Um, almost got crushed there on Saturday. There were so many people and so much stuff going on, which is it's just terrific. Everyone's up and about for it. But, yeah, look, we need to put a bit of bit of thought, uh, which I'm sure mine smarter than mine will, into all the lead-ups because, um, look, I mean, the two-year-olds are interesting, I guess. There's, there's various reasons why the two-year-olds weren't around in all the lead-ups this year, or, or many of them. Um, and as we saw, obviously, the Magic Millions itself, the two-year-old race, had a very, very long tail outside of the top, you know, two or three, which were very good. But, but yeah, I agree. And, and look, it's funny. I, I remember talking to Jason Scott, um, the Racing Queensland CEO, when he first kicked off in the job. And, and one of the things he said to me at the time was, we, we get actually all these people here for the Magic Millions, um, you know, in, in sort of mid-January. And it's school holidays. It's tourist season. So... Look, you know, is there any chance we could actually keep them for for another week? Because after this, after the Magic Millions, I mean, the racing just falls off the cliff, really, in terms of Queensland. So, look, maybe there's a there's some sort of option there to, to a start the carnival later, um, or not call it a carnival, basically for the first two or three weeks. Just you know, just try and get a bit of bang for your buck uh, in and around Magic Millions time, and then maybe try and keep some of the horses and trainers and whatever on the on the Gold Coast for another week while all the tourists and while the spotlight isn't on the Gold Coast. Because we have that big day, don't we? And then everything just drops off the face of the cliff in Queensland. So, look, I'm sure there'll be... Uh, I'm sure all this will be looked at. Because, look, look, let's face it, the Winter Carnival is sensational, I reckon. It is fabulous. It is um, really up and about. It's a very, very good number three banana uh, behind, you know, the big carnivals in you know, Victoria and New South Wales. Um but, yeah, I agree with you. Summer Carnival needs some work. Just uh, uh, drilling down a bit uh, deeper or diving a bit deeper, I mentioned those debut races. Now, I understand that that's part of, of the Magic Millions race package. And and I, and I get the fact that, that of course, the Magic Millions has a, a wonderful association with the Gold Coast Turf Club. It also has a good association, though, with the Brisbane Racing Club. It, it presents several races during that leg of the carnival. But... The, the point I was making was, with these debut races, doesn't it make sense to have them at the start of the carnival where if you own a horse, you can run in that race, say you win the debut by four lengths, you've then got a prospect to go to the Magic Millions in five or six weeks' time? Well, it actually makes too much sense, doesn't it, David? I mean, the problem is, of course, that, uh, you know, the Magic Millions is a, effectively a Gold Coast carnival. Um, mm. So, you know, effectively giving up some of those races and... You know, potentially moving them to another club or another time slot. Um, you know, it's 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 not something I guess that they would want to do. But yeah, to me that makes a lot of sense. Um, look, I think it's too simplistic to say that the debut races caused the depletion of the the lead up yes. uh, fields with Magic Minutes because I mean one of the debut races didn't even get a full field itself. So there was clearly more going on than that. But 
Uh, yeah, old mate, I think, um, you know, for once in a while, I think we're in fierce agreement on this one. Well, there was things happening apart from the Magic Millions last week, believe it or not, and the alligator blood story keeps going on. And you broke a very important story during the week. Just expand on it for us. Yeah, well, firstly, I'll say this. It's a wider story with wider ramifications, I feel, than alligator blood. But I'll get back to that in a second. Look, the tax of this story... Um, effectively, uh, in, a, in a court decision um, last Christmas or around last, or sorry, the Christmas before last now, um, effectively the race was, you know, handed back to Alligator Blood, this 2020 Magic Millions Guineas, because the, the court at the time found that the owners, uh, you know, weren't, didn't get their say, they weren't represented. Um, but then, of course, there was appeals lodged by um, the Queensland Racing Integrity Commission and racing Queensland. So that's sort of, you know, where we're up to. But what's happened effectively as part of these, you know, appeals, um, the Queensland Racing Integrity Commission, you know, seems keen to try and re retry the case from the start. So in other words, start again. Um, but, you know, to do that, I gather, um, I mean, the original samples, the urine samples, are, are clearly a key part of that, that case. Now, I obtained an affidavit which was penned by Dr. Sean Stanley, the head of uh, Keurig's Racing Science Centre, which said in, in, in February to March 2022, there was flooding, a power outage, and the backup generator failed at the Racing Science Centre. Uh, and, and basically, um, everything was in chaos for several days. And the complete power loss affected everything in the building, including in the cold room, which contained alligator blood's A sample. So effectively, that is unreliable. Uh, you know, for for this case. So it'll be interesting to see that going forward. But look, I think it sparks a a wider um, uh, look at this because, I mean, clearly <laughs> there was more samples that were, that, you know, were, I shouldn't say destroyed, but are sort of certainly unreliable um, from this event. So, I mean, it begs the question, were there uh, stewards' cases going on at the time that had to be halted because of, uh, because of this this power outage which ruined samples were there were there investigations underway that couldn't be proceeded with now look i put these questions to um keurig um and shane gillard the boss of keurig and look to be honest i received a very very unsatisfactory answer uh and that answer was effectively well uh this matter is still before court you know it affects alligator blood so we can't possibly comment now I get that as as it pertains to alligator blood, you wouldn't want to necessarily say anything that would compromise any, you, you know, potential, you know, court sort of uh, action. I, I get that, but I mean, my, my questions weren't actually uh, to alligator blood; they, they were to this wider wider issue. Now, look, I gather, um, you know, that privately they they've been talking amongst themselves and saying, "Well, oh, look, you know, this this won't matter; uh, it's not a big deal, etc." Well, look, if it's not a big deal. Yeah, give us a ring and tell us exactly what happened. Why isn't it a big deal? Were there other samples compromised? Uh, is this a big issue or isn't it? And just look, the lack of clarity from Keurig on this and many other things, I must say, is appalling. And look, it's no wonder, it is no wonder, David, that Grace Grace, uh, you know, has ordered uh, basically, uh, you know, she wants to take a look at this, uh, have a review of the Keurig functions because... Look, as a journalist, maybe I'm, I'm getting on the pulpit a bit, but, I mean, information is key. I can understand that there are in certain circumstances where, you know, stewards' investigations, the inner workings of them, yeah, I get it. They've got to be kept behind closed doors. But something like this, which I would have thought is a fairly significant development, I, I mean, just get on the front foot and tell us what's happened, you know? And 
if it's not a big deal, as I gather they're saying it's not, well, tell us why it's not a big deal. Like, I'm just sick of, you know, to be honest, I'm sick of this organisation, David, as I suspect many people in Queensland racing are, just about everyone I talk to. Um, so this review that Grace Grace is doing, I'll be interesting to see the, um, the results of that. Strong comments. Just with alligator blood, uh, refresh our memories, refresh our minds. Just where are we at at the moment with that? that is, is that court case still pending? What's happening there? Yeah, well, it's still pending. I mean, it, it basically could hinge on, on what we've just talked mm. about because if they are effective, it's called a hearing de novo in legal terms and effectively it means re-hearing something, you know, from scratch, scratch and inducing evidence, new evidence, et cetera, et cetera. So, look, if they can't, if these sample, if the A sample has been compromised and they can't actually use that, well, I mean, look, maybe there's a legal way around it. I mean, I'm, I'm no sharp legal brain. Um, so, look, Maybe Kiri can say, look, this this doesn't matter, we'll proceed as planned. And, and the power outage only affected a limited amount of samples and it didn't, you know, there was no stewards' investigations at the time or subsequently compromised. Well, well, that's fine. If they want to say that, get on the front foot and bloody well say it. Another story you broke during the week, and this was pertaining to, to Magic Millions Race Day on Saturday. There was a plan by Channel 7 for jockeys to have um, uh, AirPods to, to listen to Bruce McAvaney virtually um, uh, hear him speak to them and they would answer questions uh, behind the barrier. It didn't proceed. Um, there was a bit of discussion about this when, it was, when you released this story midweek. Well, this was an interesting one, David, because, look, a, a lot of our stories on, on News Corp and, and Race Down and associated, associated um, platforms are now subscription stories, and that means effectively you have to pay an annual fee or, you know, a small fee, which is basically a cup of coffee a week um, to subscribe and, and read them, which is, which is the way of the world in the media now. I mean, newspapers, you know, used to generate a lot of advertising revenue. They don't generate as much now. So, the, you know, and the, and the world's a digital world. I mean, media companies have, have to diversify and look at other ways to make money. And, and this is one of them, putting stories uh, behind subscription models. So why I say that is because uh, there was a large amount of angst on social media when, when this story went up, saying, oh, this is, this is absolutely outrageous. Jockeys wearing, uh, you know, AirPods in, in the race. How ridiculous. This is a safety hazard. But none of these bloody people seem to have actually read the story, David. Like, if they actually had read the story, what we were talking about was simply uh, putting these, uh, these AirPods in behind the gates uh, you know, have Bruce McAvaney talking to, to James McDonald for 30 seconds in a similar way to you would being interviewed on horseback. Look, so it's not sort of, you know, it's it's a great little innovation, I think. It's, I don't think it was a story of the century by any means, but gee, a lot of people were up and about about it. Now, the reason it was abandoned uh, had nothing to do with any blowback from jockeys or, or you know, people on social media or, or anything, or racing officials or anything like that. The reason was they just simply, they tested it on Friday and they tested it on Saturday morning and they just weren't 100% satisfied with the technology. Uh, you know, it was windy on Friday. You were getting a bit of, you know, you could hear that in the in the, in the the sort of the interviews with the jockeys that they were testing, et cetera, et cetera. And they, they you know, it, it wasn't quite up to scratch. It was sort of probably 85% of the way there. But when you, you know, you, when you want to put something out to a, you know, an Australian audience on commercial television, you want it to be a hundred percent right. So look, uh, that's what was abandoned. But I spoke to you know really high placed people at Channel Seven, and they told me they are very keen to push ahead with this, and in fact they will once they get the tech right. Uh, you know, for the Sydney and Melbourne, or well, certainly Sydney uh, Autumn Carnival. So look, I, what do you think, David? I don't think it's too 
in cumbersome and on jockey. I saw James McDonald, for instance, going on the radio and saying, "I've got enough to think about before the before the start anyway," without doing a you know a twenty second interview. And I thought, oh, I, I like James. I get on really well with him. But I thought, oh, really? Like, is it really that tough? I'm not sure. What do you think? I agree with James uh, to a degree. I'll, I'll put this to you. I'll throw it back to you. What more can they ask the jockey behind the barrier? Maybe except of uh, how does he feel on the way to the gates or how does she feel on the way to the gates? Uh, uh, they can't tip. They're not allowed to tip. So they're sort of restricted in what they can be asked. Oh, they, they are. I agree with you. And I don't think there will be much talking about tactics and thing, things like that in terms of integrity. But I do think, especially the big names... I mean, just 30 seconds with James McDonald. I mean, even if he's cracking a joke or, or saying something or talking about his, you know, his baby at home or his partner. I mean, look, it sounds ridiculous. But for a non-racing follower, I mean, exposing the personality of these big-name jockeys, I think is key. Like, I mean, just give us a bit of an insight into their personalities. It doesn't have to be, you know, where are you going to be in the run? Do you think your horse is going to win, et cetera? It can just be a, just be a you know, shoot the breeze with them for 30 seconds. And I just think that helps... Uh, potentially a non-racing audience who may be tuning into commercial TV, because bear in mind this is commercial TV, this isn't Sky Channel or Racing.com or anything. You, you know, the mums and dads out there that, that tune in, you know, a few times a year, they see James McDonald interviewed, and they think, oh, geez, this is pretty interesting, you know. So, look, I think I certainly think there's a place for it. I think it would be ridiculous, and I said as much when Racing Victoria tried to, uh, you know, their, their thought bubble effectively was to use... Uh, interactive mice with jockeys during races, during selected, you know, trial series. So that's absolutely ridiculous. That's a safety hazard. So, look, it, it will never get to that, I wouldn't have thought. But I, I didn't mind this. I, I, don't, I don't think it's too offensive, David, to be honest. Storm Boy was the fastest Magic Millions winner in its history when it ran 1-8 on Saturday. It's gained a lot of rave reviews, Ben. Oh, even Dominic Byrne, I mean, the, the former bookmaker, uh, you know, there's probably few men uh, or women in uh, Australian racing who know more uh, about form and, 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 you know, betting and ratings and all that sort of stuff than Dominic Byrne, who, of course, you know, now uh, or has worked closely with Godolphin and, and James Cummings. So, look, um, he tweeted uh, yesterday, and I'll read you out the tweet. He said, Storm Boy uh, is destined to be the champion two-year-old of the season if, and he said it's a big if, if he man- maintains... Uh, his Magic Millions performance. IWS Computer rates him the highest Magic Millions two-year-old ever, topping Dan Hero, as you just referenced. So, mm. look, that is some that is some sort of um, statement, uh, you know, and clearly um, Golden Super favourite absolutely deserves it at the moment. We haven't seen too many two-year-olds up and about. Um, I'm sure we will see plenty of them, uh, you know, emerging in the next sort of few weeks and months. But, yeah, Stormboy couldn't have done any more. Visually, was was absolutely spectacular. And, and look, I, I've got to say, um, three-quarters of the field were dead-set walkers. They were milk drinkers, most of them. But the first five or six horses across the line looked to be decent horses. And you can only beat what you what you can beat. Highness, I think, is a very good horse, the horse that, that ran second that looked to have every possibility to run past Stormboy. So, yep, couldn't disagree with Dominic Burns. Certainly looks sensational. Of course, of course, listeners, he's crowing a little bit. For those who listen to Pass the Post, he, he came out and said, this is a race. He said there's only three possibilities. He said oh, Storm Boy, right. 
parkour. Hang on. Parkour and straight charged. And he said, if any one of those three doesn't win, he said, I'll take you to whatever restaurant you want to go to. And he knows I've got expensive tastes. Plus, he owes I, me... I wanted... Hang on, hang on. <laughs> I've got the floor at the moment. Plus, he owes me a bottle of wine as well. So it was shaping well. You know why? Parkour came out. Straight charge came out. I said, he's left with one horse. He's left with the favourite. And, of course, you no. So does that mean you take me to that nice no, restaurant? I think that's how, how it works. <laughs> well, maybe I'll, maybe you take me there and I'll buy you a bottle of wine there. Although, last time I was there, I had a look and there was like $1,000 bottles yeah. of wine on the list. That's well above my price range. So I'm just a battler doing yeah. my best. Just before you go, Mitch Cohen's about to join us. Just before you go, speak of Racenet, if we go to Racenet this morning, a story about a horse a little bit forgotten because, uh, you know, you're, you're off the scene for two or three months and... Giga Kick. Um, you, you've written a story there this morning about Giga Kick. Yeah, now Giga Kick was meant to be back uh, at track work by now. In fact, it was meant to be back several weeks ago. Uh, but look, I spoke to Clayton Douglas late last week and he said, look, he said, unfortunately, the scans have just showed there's still uh, little issues to the, to the muscles in the high quarters. Uh, so Giga Kick is still uh, confined um, to just light walking exercise on a, on a treadmill. So he said, look, we're still hopeful of trying to get him back uh, for the autumn carnival. I must say that sounds fairly forlorn, uh, you know, given given the injury, given the amount of time he's been off, and given the fact he hasn't even returned to track work yet. But the good news is there'll be no long-term effects. He'll be back to his brilliant best. Uh, when that'll be, he would love uh, a rematch with Imperatrice, uh, you know, at, at some point. Clearly, will we see him in the Brisbane Winter Carnival? I reckon for sure, David, and especially uh, if we don't see him, as seems very, very likely, until either the late stages of the autumn or not at all, I expect him to use the Brisbane Winter Carnival to bounce into another Everest campaign. Looking forward to it. We'll talk during the week. Thanks, David. Ben Dorries joined us with lots of news there this morning here on Press Room. Mitch Cohen's up now from the Daily Telegraph. Mitch, good morning. Good morning, David, and uh, good morning to all the listeners. Yeah, massive weekend up north, wasn't it? That uh, Magic Moon storm boy, terrific. Just a little tidbit on that, though. Uh, Shangri-La Express could have gone there, and, and Dan Adrian decided not to go there and aim at the autumn with him. So um, if you're looking at Golden Slipper Markets, I think maybe it's got a little bit wrong at the moment. Don't forget about Shangri-La Express. He was excellent winning both of his starts. Uh, they've just got a very, very nice hand, don't they? I think I used the word empire yesterday when we were talking on past yeah. the post. Like not only not only that pair, straight charge, of course, who couldn't go to the, the millions, but also like mm. a node at espionage. But I think you're right too. Sometimes the market often it's more of a knee jerk reaction, and and no no risk. The storm boy should probably have assumed slipper favoritism, but I think when they're the flavour of the month and they're around, we tend to maybe somewhat forget the other horses. And I think you you spot on with Shangri La Express. What about on Saturday now? Most of the listeners know that I'm a time nut and I love seeing records, track records. And here was one, a 2,000-metre Rose Hill record. This is a big metropolitan track, a long-held record, 1996, so 27 years, and held by a champion. Not only was it broken, it was smashed. Absolutely shattered, wasn't it? Um, look, I actually called a, a few of, of the ATT staff and, and, and things like that. I said, have we checked these times? Is this is this right? Has it actually beaten the track record by... by was, it was a couple of lengths, really, of Octagonal's track record that had stood for 28 years. Now, Octagonal shared that record with Dane Wynn um, from a year earlier, but this is a record that's well, one of the more long-standing ones in Sydney racing, but 
No, they they checked it, done the times, done everything right, and uh, yeah, it was exactly correct. So uh, we've got a new 2,000 metre track record at Rose Hill of one minute 59, uh, one uh, one minute 59 seconds, and uh, well, 11 milliseconds. But look, it was a terrific performance to the eye. Obviously, this track as well at Rose Hill. First time we were racing at it for six weeks. They hadn't raced at Rose Hill since the first week of December. Done a couple of refurbishments. Now, it started the day as a soft five. So it was a soft five. Uh, well, I'm, I wasn't there, mate. It was a very warm day. That was a good track if ever I've seen it, uh, to be honest. It was... Uh, a, most jockeys got off after the first or second and said, look, this track's going to get upgraded to a good four or a good three very quickly. So um, by that stage, it was a good four. It was a very warm day in Sydney. But this horse, Naval College... You kind of think he's a, a horse on an upward spiral. Now, Jet Stanley's got a great relationship with him. He's won four or five starts on him. He was favourite in the other start uh, that he lost on. He ended up finishing third. But he seems like a horse, one of these imports that's come over and he's in uh, one of his later preparations now. Now he's really settled into Australia. I think, really, he looks like the sort of horse that could be competitive in maybe in a race like the Metropolitan later this year now. Uh, the Australia Day Cup is in two weeks' time, so that's his, his likely target if they push on. But uh, otherwise, he could be a, a factor in the autumn, you'd have to think. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, 159.11 octagonal. When he was winning on the Rose Hill Guineas, he set that record at 159.99. So when you're breaking two minutes, uh, you're in rarefied air. But when you're getting down to those low 159s, you're uh, you're in a zone that's uh, hardly ever reached. Maccabi Diva, of course, holds the Australian record at 158.72. I think that was in the Australian Cup. But uh, Naval College uh, in great form. Now, it's amazing, isn't it? We've just completed our summer carnival here. You've got a set of trials at Warwick Farm tomorrow. I noticed the first two are on the course proper. Here are all these horses ready to go for the autumn. Nothing, no, there's no room for, for rest these days for, for we journalists. It just keeps happening 24-7. Just when I thought I was winding down, David, I'm winding You've back up wind again. Up. It's, uh, <laughs> it's certainly winding up again. We saw a couple go around last week, but um, uh, I think uh, tomorrow's trials are probably uh, the most star-studded, you'd say, uh, heading into the autumn. And, and why not? We're only, uh, really, uh, a month from today, or I think it's uh, well a month and a day away from races like the Apollo Stakes. Now, uh, a fair few of the horses going around tomorrow, a horse like Sink It Over, I know he's going to kick off in that uh, on that day on the Apollo, which is where you've got, obviously, the expressway, uh, the Triscay. But a horse like Think It Over, I was speaking to Kerry last week, he's just going to have a quiet hit out tomorrow as he goes towards another Queen Elizabeth, potentially. Now, he won that race two years ago. We know he didn't get the chance to, to defend his crown because of that tendon injury. But coming back and winning the seven stakes, why not have another crack at it this year? He, he was back to his best. Obviously, fangirl going around tomorrow as well. James McDonald back from up north to, to, to ride her. Now, she was one of the great performers of our, uh, our spring here in Sydney, obviously winning that uh, inaugural edition. Would you call it an inaugural edition of the King Charles Stakes, David? I'm not sure because uh, it's, uh, it's the same race as it was before, but uh, just a new name. But, uh, she had an excellent autumn also. Uh, a horse like Militarised. Now, there's a chance Militarised might not trial, I'm a, I believe. Now, he was in that uh, Cox Plate. But, uh, he's, he's got, obviously, plenty of targets this autumn. And, and Buckaroo now with, uh, with Chris Waller as well.
came over and obviously ran in that King Charles and uh, Champion Stakes now, uh, the likes of Aussie Kerr and, and uh, Qatar Bloodstock in, in that horse. Just before you go, Zach Lloyd, some news regarding him before you leave us. Yeah, unfortunately, Zach still he's suspended right now. Um, he, he, he got suspended again on Saturday. Now, look, uh, Zach is a terrific, terrific young rider, but it's it is going to be to his detriment. Um, it has been to his detriment over the past couple of years. These suspensions. Now he got suspended again for five meetings on Saturday. He'll return on Boxing Day. It was just one of those incidents where I, I'm, it's, it, it probably seemed a bit avoidable, or very avoidable, really. It was in uh, when he was on floating. Uh, if you go back and watch that race, he shifted out in a straight on floating on the top of Arizona on, on Jet Stanley. And I forgot to mention before, Jet Stanley, first stakes winner, so congrats to Jet. But uh, this was in the race before. He's really just crowded in for room. The horses shifted out on top of him um, and another suspension now. Look, I don't think it's going to cost him any sort of uh, premierships. I think he will win the premiership again this year, but um, it has to get a little bit... Uh, there becomes a point, doesn't there, where um, he's obviously trying his best, but he's getting in a bit of strife. And, and we know this sort of thing with what happened, I guess, with Natural Rilla last season. He had a few untimely suspensions. Now you look at Nash this season, he's leading the premiership because he's stayed out of the uh, the stewards room and uh, it's a crucial factor. Um, we obviously wish Zach all the best, but uh, yeah, just got to stay out of trouble, don't you? Yeah, certainly so. And of course, his brother Jaden is taking up a, a riding appointment in Singapore, so we wish him well there. Good to talk, Mitch. We'll, we'll talk next week. Look forward to it, David. Enjoy your week. Mitch Cohen joining us from from the Daily Telegraph. Of course, don't forget uh, Magic Millions sales continue today with Book Tour. We've got two days of selling today and tomorrow. And then uh, the curtain does come down on Magic Millions 2024. Well, on Saturday at the Gold Coast, we had a wonderful program, 11 races. We discussed a lot of the highlights on Past the Post yesterday. One race we didn't turn our attention to, but I want to this morning is the debut for the two-year-old Colts and Yearlings. Half-million-dollar race. Let's first listen to the replay. The Hemo, the leader, 600 metres left to travel. A half clear. Lead me on in second. Two lengths away. Barracuda stalking in third. Click, click, boom in fourth, then indecisive. Four lengths away. Heavily impact. Crypto star. Sibelius King Spirit around the home bend. The Hemo's in front. A half to three quarters clear from lead me on. Barracuda called upon. Indecisive weaving through. Heavily impact running on for the back. 150 left to go. It's the Hemo and lead me on. Lead me on's hit the front. Barracuda, heavily impact, very late. Lead me on's in front from heavily impact. Lead me on. Lead me on, beat heavily impact. Third, either indecisive or the hemo. Then Barracuda, click, click, boom, next in. King Spirit, Crypto Star, Sibelius and Little Rex. Always a great result when a Queensland trainer can win on Magic Millions Day. Of course, we spoke with Rob Heathcote yesterday, abounding winning the guineas and Shuey Kendrick, he won the, the Country Cup, the first race. But Chris Anderson was the trainer of Lead Me On, successful in the debut. And Chris joins us this morning. Chris, firstly, congratulations. Yes, morning, David. Yeah, terrific result. Uh, as you say, just great to have a winner on such a big day. And it's not just such a big day as far as people watching. It's a big day for the entire industry, especially with the trainers and the fact that the whole industry is there. Um, mm. Normally, you know, you might win a big race in Brisbane through the Winter Carnival, but... 
to have all the breeders there. Uh, mm. Such important, so important to have great relationships with the breeders and. Um, yeah, that, that probably makes it just that extra little bit special. These fields came out a lot earlier than the other fields and the barrier draws were out and there was barrier 11, which probably deaded your confidence a little? Yeah, enormously so. Um, the 1,000 metre at the Gold Coast is pretty well straight in a 180-degree circle. So very, very difficult to win from out there. Obviously, you're getting posted three deep with or without cover. It makes it um, you know, a, a lot tougher, but... I'll tell you what, uh, once we landed uh, outside the leader after 100 metres, my confidence grew enormously. And as an ownership group, we had a chat when we found that spot and we thought we'd be very, very hard to beat from that point onwards. Speaking of the ownership group, I noticed some uh, rather high-profile names there. Neil Werrett, Max Whitby, how did all that come about? Yeah, look, um, I've had some good success with these guys in a very short period of time. I think I've had three runners for two wins and... Um, uh, look, just with my association with uh, a gentleman by the name of Mick Malone, owns his, um, it was, he's got a, um, a breeding farm called North in uh, in the Hunter. He he pretty well buys all of uh, Neil, I should say most of Neil's or, 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 and or Max's horses. And um, this horse, believe it or not, he was passed in last year at the Magic Millions. Uh, he was unwanted. Uh, Mick bred him. I uh, was selling him on behalf of a breeder, I should say, and he thought he was a, a horse that could get up and get going early. He had a nice look to him, a you know, lovely frame. He was athletic. He was out of a schnitzel mare and obviously by first season size. So he um, thought it was a nice horse for me to get um, and, and tip these guys into. Um, and uh, look, it's, it's had the desired result, that's for sure. He's always shown us good ability and that early gate speed he can show. Uh, certainly, I think, won him the race. And we often say races aren't always certainly won the last furlong. They're often won the first furlong, and that proved to be the case on Saturday. But back to the owners, David, look, they're very high profile, as you say. And for trainers like me to, you know, really um, try and get a, a move along and um, hopefully, you know, continue to improve as, as my career evolves, it's it's vitally important that we get that sort of support uh, in the stable. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it puts you in a very very good position. I want to ask you a question. You're the right person to, to ask it or to, to be asked of it as well. In, in my opening remarks this morning, I mentioned about how successful the Magic Millions Carnival is, but I said or posed the question: Can we do better in the lead up? Now, these debut races are, are quite innovative. They're exciting. They create a lot of discussion. However, they're run on Magic Millions Day which, of course, means you can either be in one or the other because you have to be a first starter to be in these races, as the name suggests. Uh, the question I ask you, would you think it's a better move or, or, or a, at least worth discussion to have these debut races on at the start of the carnival that if Lee Beyond happens to win, which he did, he then could be a legitimate chance in a Magic Millions rather than having to go for one or the other? I mean, these owners put their money in they show their faith in Magic Millions by spending well. Shouldn't they deserve to have more than just one opportunity? Yeah, that's absolutely uh, a terrific um, way to think about it. I also think about it on the flip side to suggest that horses that we are generally targeting for debuts, I think most trainers, I can't obviously speak for all trainers, but I think most trainers would probably agree that they're not genuine winning chances on the big day. Mm. So they're probably more tier two two-year-olds than A-grade two-year-olds. And 
As I said to my ownership group, I think if you're winning a Magic Millions, you've got to go and win a trial or a jump out and win it very impressively. You're often winning them by, you know, four to five to six lengths, if not further, and you're very, very dominant. Um, to go and have a, a two-year-old win on a big day, um, as probably, I shouldn't call them big graders, but I probably will, is, um, is, a, is an enormous thrill for an ownership group who would ultimately otherwise go and probably see their horse run um, a nice... Fifth, six, seven, eighth, or ninth on the big day in itself. So, yes, I guess if they could still win the, the three hundred thousand uh, the week before, um, there's a great opportunity there. But I think it also strengthens that race and probably doesn't give that ownership group or that horse as good as a winning chance as what it would if it was kept to uh, the big day in itself. And and I keep coming back to the fact that I think what's ever best for the owners is is the right decision moving forward because at the end of the day, the owners are paying the bills and they deserve as much price money that we can give back as an industry as possible. And whichever way that works best to, to help those owners, um, I'm all for it. Yeah, I appreciate your comments there. And uh, you, you, you do make a good point. Uh, look, I, I think deep down uh, it won't be changed. I, I, I get the, the other considerations, the commercial considerations. I get all that. But I think it's worth at least talking about. One thing I, I also want to talk about with you, and I, and I want to congratulate you here, is the fact that uh, let's not forget the, the jockey, Michael Rod. Now, Michael came back after a, a long break. Uh, it was a tough time out, a real tough time out, and he was the first to, to admit it. You were probably the first trainer to put your hand up and say, come on, I'm going to give you a, a chance where I can, uh, and you certainly did, and... In the end, that 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 well, rather brief association, so to speak, paid big dividends on Saturday. So for Michael to be on that horse, I'm sure you were delighted as well. Yeah, spot on, David. Uh, he summed that up beautifully. Um, when Cameron Partington advised me that he was coming back, my my first comment to Cameron is he can ride any horse in my stable he wants to. Um, he works so hard. He comes into my stable three days a week. Tuesdays, Thursdays and Saturdays and um, he's there to do any jump outs or trolls um, uh, as well for me and um, his resume speaks for himself and I, I think that he's still a very, very young jockey. He's so talented. He, he gives owners the most um, thorough um, piece of information post-race that you could ever want to hear from anyone. Uh, he sums up races beautifully pre-race as well. So Happy to see him sit on uh, any any one of mine. And, um, yeah, it's great that he could get on and get rewarded because I've got no doubt he had some pretty dark days. And I actually didn't realise that he was off the scene for three years, Dave. And that's mm. a, certainly a lot longer than I, I thought it might have been, about 18 months to two years. But, yeah, I'm sure he had some pretty tough days there throughout. And um, to see him come back and, 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 and win on Saturday, yeah, gave me a, a huge thrill. And um, hopefully we can get a few more together moving forward. A good day for all. And just to, to close with Lee Beyond, what's the, the path now? Yeah, good question. We're going to just assess him this week. Um, we'll see how he does. He seemed to eat up quite well over the past few days. And um, we'll either make a decision to give him one more or we might turn him out and um, and head to maybe some better class races throughout the Winter Carnival. Um, but uh, the next sort of five to seven days will determine what we do with him. Always delighted when you win a big race and you won one on Saturday. Good result to you, to Michael and, and the Connections as well. Thanks for joining me this morning. Thanks, David. Appreciate you having me on. Chris Anderson joining us this morning. One of the nice guys in racing and uh, getting that good result with Lead Me On.
Let's take a break here on Press Room, Racing HQ, January 15. Back with Ben Scannon on the other side of the break. From Derby victories to classic features, NZB Standard Bread is your source of elite harness racing success. With the oldest five years of age, graduates have laid claim to 53 Group 1 wins and 137 stakes wins, while Kiwi Standard Breads claimed 46% of all eligible Group 1 races in Australasia last season. The next crop of racetrack champions are on offer at the 2024 National Standard Bread Yearling Sale at Karaka and Christchurch from the 18th to 21st of February. nzbstandardbread.co.nz Join us at the Sunshine Coast Turf Club on Saturday, January 27th. It's a summer fiesta featuring a 10-race program highlighted by the listed coastline BMW Sunshine Coast Cup. Families rejoice, free kids entertainment. Create unforgettable fun under the glorious Queensland sun. Don't miss the Coastline BMW Sunshine Coast Cup. Book your tickets now by sctc.com.au. Most people are unaware that bad bacteria can grow quickly in food that's stored, prepped or cooked incorrectly, and that can lead to food poisoning. To avoid bad bacteria, always make sure your hands and cooking utensils are clean. Keep raw meat and chicken away from food that won't be cooked. Run your fridge at or below 5 degrees Celsius and use a meat thermometer to ensure your meat's being cooked to at least 75 degrees Celsius. For more tips on keeping bad bacteria at bay, visit foodsafety.asn.au. Heavy track today. Who are you thinking? Mm, not vibing risky lettuce. Getting sinker vibes. Risky name. Feels risky. Yeah, right. Though, says on the tab app she's firming. Ah. Don't just vibe it. Get expert tips and sky racing analysis in Tab's new race feed. Yeah, actually, I'm getting swimmer vibes. Going with her. Of course you are. We're on. Chances are you're about to lose. For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. You're listening to Press Room with David Fowler on Radio Tab. I was mentioning yesterday on Past the Post how extraordinary it was that I was speaking to Josh Adams one year before about uh, the meeting being called off at Aquas Park Gold Coast because of the wet weather. And then we had all the drama before the Magic Minions Guineas. Yesterday, a similar story of sorts in South Australia regarding Murray Bridge. Ben Scannon's going to expand more on it as he joins me now. Ben, good morning. G'day, David. How are you? So, on Saturday at Murray Bridge, we lost the last few races because the power went out. One year before, we also lost the meeting because of another situation. Just refresh our memory on that. Yeah, it's amazing how things work out, isn't it? Yeah, so 12 months ago, pretty much to the day... There was the most bizarre situation at Murray Bridge where the meeting was called off due to tumbleweeds that they couldn't stop drifting onto the track. You remember pictures of John Baharja, who's the uh, the chief executive there at Murray Bridge, trying to sweep them off the track himself. And, yeah, it was just a crazy, crazy, crazy scenes. And, um, yeah, it was really windy. And tumbleweeds from the uh, nearby paddocks had kept on flying onto the track and obviously caused some um, safety issues and they just couldn't get on top of it, so they had to to call that meeting off. And then on Saturday at Murray Bridge, perhaps a slightly less unusual circumstance, but, yeah, the power went out across the Gifford Hill area, which is where the Murray Bridge Racecourse is based. Um, They waited for about an hour and SA Power Networks advised they couldn't give them any any sense of when the power was likely to be back on. I assume it's it's back on now. I would assume they haven't haven't had to wait wait for a day and a half. But um, they uh, yeah they couldn't give them any sense of when the power was going to be back on. Um, 
I'd read online that there was a generator on course at Murray Bridge that it, but it hadn't been fully connected and wasn't available, which is, um, yeah, haven't been able to receive confirmation on that one. But nonetheless, there was no power. No power means no race meeting. So, yeah, 12 months to the day, virtually, um, two meetings at Murray Bridge had to be called off partway through. Um, Stuart's going to announce today what's going to happen with those three races that, um, that weren't held. There's a suggestion they'll be, um, you know, at least a couple of them might be shifted to uh, to next Saturday, um, but we'll just have to wait and see on that one. But, um, yeah, keep an eye out to see what they do with those few races that weren't able to be run on, uh, on Saturday. Well, from the races we did see, uh, visually this horse looked good. Name is In My Room. There was a bit of talk about him in the morning, first starter. They did miss him in the market. I think he was 420 down to 280. And as I said, Ben, visually he looked good. He, he beat them by a space and uh, obviously has a lot of ability. Yeah, it looks really nice, doesn't he? he? You're right, There was the money came and the money was, was smack bang on the, on the target. It was, um, yeah, it was uh, well founded, those, that support. He uh, looks sort of close to the lead, this horse in my room, trained by Richard and Chantel Jolly for, uh, for Price Bloodstock. And they've got a really strong association with that, with that ownership uh, group though racing those blue, white, and red colours that we've seen quite often had very good success. Um, Hong Kong based price bloodstock. Um, yeah, this bloke settled just off the pace, and look, as soon as Jake Torek asked him to go, he just stretched out and won what he went by about four lengths or so, and looked to do it really softly. Didn't turn the stick on him, Jake. The horse did it beautifully. Um, the original plan for him was that he, um, the way that he was shaping up, that he was going to be heading to Hong Kong, but he, he's already had had surgery, which means that he's very unlikely to pass the uh, the entry requirements by the Hong Kong Jockey Club. So he's good news for Richard Chantel Jolly means that the horses like to say here in South Australia and continue to race with them. Um, when Jake got off the horse, he he said that he thinks he's a genuine black type horse. He said it really softly. Um, yeah, it's a it's a really strong association that Richard and Chanto Jolly have built with um, with Price Bloodstock, and based on what we saw at Murray Bridge on Saturday, this bloke looks like he uh, he can win a good race for them, doesn't he? Exactly right. And speaking of Richard and Chantel, I've noticed their name appearing in the uh, the buyers as far as the the sales have been concerned here in Queensland this week. Yeah, look, the sales have been really strong, obviously, haven't they? And it's it's been tough work to to find horses at the right price point, but Richard and Chantel Jolly, they've um, they'd secured three last time I checked, um, spent around about $350,000. So I think one was one seventy, one was one hundred and thirty, another one for about $60,000. Um, Andrew Gluis for, for McDonald Gluis Racing, he'd, uh, he'd found a couple, um, both from, um, from bloodlines that they're, they're very familiar with. I think uh, all up there's been about 350000 as well. And, and Michael Hickmott was another who um, who I noticed had managed to secure one. But been pretty low on the ground, um, but, you know, obviously hugely competitive. And the people they're trying to buy the horses against, uh, you know, are racing out of Sydney and Melbourne where prize money is, you know, triple what we've got here in South Australia. Um, yeah, so they're certainly working to different different budgets, but I'd be interested to see how those horses uh, progress over the over the next twelve months. Yeah, just back to that in my room too. By Spirit of Boom out of Prada Miss, she was a capable mare, Prada Miss, but suggesting there that uh, he's obviously probably a Magic Millions graduate as well. In my room, I'll I'll check that out. What about the, you're a, you're a man who knows his music well? What was that song? Boom, boom, oh, in, boom. In my room, I think it's boom, boom, boom. Was it? Wasn't it? Yeah. In my room, boom, boom. Can you boom, just boom. sing a, a bar or two? Uh, 
uh, I'll, I'll uh, work on that over, over the next seven days and, and get back to you to let you know how things are shaping up. That's my little bit of homework for you. <laughs> hey, uh, just before you go, now, um, speaking of uh, South Australia, a great result with Sharipa winning the Standish at Flemington. Yeah, look, I was wrapped to see that horse race so well again on Saturday, um, winning the Standish at Caulfield, at uh, Flemington, sorry. He's... Um, Shane Oxlade is one of the really good guys of racing here in South Australia. It's impossible not to like him. He's full of, full of enthusiasm. I've you know, got many memories of um, standing at Morpherville and, and watching Shane basically run down the straight with his horses, cheering them on. He's you know, full of passion, just loves, loves his horses. Shane and, Kat, and, his, Cassie, and his daughter Cassie do a, do a terrific job. And look, Sharipper, I think, is a horse that's already taken to to New Heights, winning a group race in Melbourne um, is a career highlight for Shane. And based on what we saw on the way he went on Saturday, um, there's no reason why he can't press on to a, a race like the Oakley Plate and be super competitive in it. I know that Froggy knew it, who was, who's ridden the horse at both of his, his past wins, has said there's no reason why he um, can't be really competitive in a race like that. And I think Craig knew it has won the Oakley Plate about three times, so he probably knows what it takes to win it. Um, yeah, but he's uh, look, he's a, he's a lovely horse. Shane Oxlade had probably said maybe even a year ago um, that he thinks that he was the best horse that he's ever trained. And look, what we've seen of, of him this campaign certainly suggests that's, that money's pretty much right on the mark. He's, uh, he's a really promising sprinter. Um, yeah, and he's, I think he's got a lot of upsides still. He's still learning what it's all about, but he's, uh, he's already such a professional racehorse. It's a very nice side note with this horse as well is that Lawrence Stoyakovich, who people may mm. may remember as the uh, you know the the small time jockey who rode that horse Miracles Miracles of Life Miracles of Life for um, for Dan Clark and back in the day winning the Blue Diamond, Lauren rides uh, Sharipa in all his track work, so that's a that's a really nice touch as well. And you can see that she really loves the horse too. She's on him all the time and and gives Shane a lot of feedback in terms of how the horse is progressing. So that's a nice little connection there as well. Yeah, she's spoken to my colleague Steve Hewlett several times on Racing HQ, and you certainly do hear the love for the horse. But uh, in form and uh, Oakley Plate, here we come. Ben, thanks for your time this morning. Appreciate it. No worries. Thanks, David. You're listening to Press Room with David Fowler on Radio Tab. If it's Equine or Canine, your one-stop shop is Garrard's Horse and Hound. They've got 13 stores across Australia and New Zealand. Garrard's Horse and Hound stock all the big names, and they provide the very best in veterinary services. Now, you can buy the products online, horseandhound.com.au, or there's a free call number, 1-800-060-896. 1-800-060-896. Garrard's Horse and Hound, they're with us each Monday here on Press Room, as is Colin McNiff in Tasmania. Colin, good morning. Hello, David. You had a busy time, and, uh, of course, it was Devonport Cup Day last Wednesday. It was, and a record eighth Devonport Cup for Froggy Newitt on Ashy Boy. He just seems to make that race his own. Of course, he grew up in Devonport, and he loves to come back each and every year and uh, try and snare the winner. He did just that, gave Ashy Boy a beautiful ride. So a record eighth uh, Devonport Cup for uh, for Craig Newitt and a first for trainer Glenn Stevenson. It's also his hometown cup, so he was absolutely tickled pink after Ashy Boyd got the prize. And uh, what's Glenn up to? Look, he's um, going to. Uh, he came out with a bit of a surprise announcement uh, later that uh, night. On, when I was having a chat to him. Uh, he's going to uh, shut the stable down for a month or so um, in June, July. He's leaving the premiership at the moment, and I, I said to him, "You're starting to think about you know winning your first ever trainer's premiership." He said, "Look." 
I'm going to give everybody a break and, and just shut the stable down for a month or, or maybe a few weeks longer than that and, uh, between uh, June and July and uh, that might take him out of the equation to win the, the, the trainers premiership. So um, he's happy with that. Uh, just thinks everybody deserves a bit of a break, get the horses out and, uh, and come back fresh for next year. This is not quite the same thing, but you're a man of my vintage. Remember in, in Melbourne with the trots, they used to uh, not race during the winter at the showgrounds. Remember that? I don't know. No, they, 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 for three I'll months, they, yeah, no, they they would they would finish about May and they would just run up the the country tracks and uh, and come back around around August or September. Imagine trying to suggest that now to I know. to take yeah, three it, months. It's strange, on. but uh, it, it, as I say, Glenn's very happy with that decision. So we'll, yeah. we'll see if he comes through with it. Good on him. Any other highlights on the day at Devonport? Uh, yeah, Jojo Chibuki, who won the Vamos last year, um, the Group 3 on Lonnie Cup Day. She won the uh, $109,000 carpet charge over 1,009 metres. She started at, she was spec from about $41 into 19, and she finished off very quickly to win that race. So she's back in form, and she'll no doubt contest the, the good fillies and mares races coming up in the next month or so. I was just talking to Ben, Ben Scadden, about uh, South Australian involvement in the Magic Millions sales during the week. Of course, we've still got two days to go on book two, but any Tasmanian involvement over the last week? Yeah, and it was quite sensational, to be honest. Grenville stud, uh, they had a, a record uh, uh, time at the uh, the Magic Millions. Um, uh, took three up there, sold all three of them. Of course, uh, the top the wooden bat at uh, TR, um, half-brother to think about it, who went for $900,000. Yeah. Absolutely delighted with that. And then Peter Moody bought a couple of their... Uh, other lots, uh, a fairly by Exceed and Excel for 675000 and a Colt uh, by Bivouac for $160,000. So they took three up and they averaged about $580,000 for the three. Their previous best was, uh, as a vendor, was a $550,000 sale at Melbourne in 2021. So they just smashed all their own records, Grenville Stud, uh, for Graham and Bart McCulloch. That's an excellent result. I want to give a mention of Siggy Carr this morning too, Cole. Yeah, look, she's a dual licence holder, trains and, and ride, and she took five horses to Launceston last Friday night, came out with four winners and a third, and the third ran uh, ran behind one of the stable mates, so she had two in the race. So she rode three of them, pardon me, and the four winners uh, is believed to be a record for a dual licence holder for Siggy. So, yeah, nice little Australian record on the card. So Siggy does a great job with her team. And uh, We raced at King Island on Saturday, is that right? We did last Saturday, but the big one's coming up next Saturday. Uh, that is the Miners' Cup. Uh, of course, it was a huge success last year with people from all points of the compass getting across to King Island. They're expecting a huge crowd down there next week for the uh, the Miners' Cup. The second running of the Miners' Cup there at King Island uh, will be the highlight, no doubt, of the season for uh, for the folks across on King Island. Good to hear. Thanks, Cole. Thanks for this morning. Cheers, David. There is Colin McNiff joining us on Press Room this morning, and that is Press Room.